tended to play a little too much hero ball. It's a no-brainer selection for Jacksonville. I believe he's a true leader in every sense of the word. I just fear for your fan base that that's what's going to happen. Welcome to the Ultimate Mock Draft 2022 presented by Odyssey and the Locked On Podcast Network. We are back for another year with the most comprehensive and in-depth draft projection you are going to find anywhere. This six-day simulation special will feature all 32 first-round picks with our Locked On local experts making the selections for the teams you love and they cover You'll also get in-depth analysis from our Locked On College experts about each prospect and from our Odyssey insiders like Jason Lockenfora, Mark Herslick, and Hall of Fame wide receiver and three-time Super Bowl champion Michael Irvin. Yeah, good stuff there. I mean, we're also going to be joined by former NFL and AFL cornerback Eric Crocker, uh, analytics expert Ryan Tracy of the Locked On NFL podcast to keep us up to date on trends, big storylines, risers and fallers throughout the draft. And if your favorite team doesn't select in the first round, don't worry. They're covered, too, as our local experts will pick the favorite options from the remaining options not selected in the first round. Oh, good. So I'll get a chance to still make a selection here when uh, my 49ers, yeah, right. as host of the Lockdown 49ers as well, by the way, with Eric Crocker, who does Lockdown NFL Draft, uh, we're going to be making the selection all the way down at pick 61 for those 49ers. So for those fans that don't have a first rounder, you will be represented here in the ultimate mock draft. It wouldn't be ultimate if it was any other way. And unlike any other mock draft out there, you're getting local insights, expert analysis, insider information from Michael Irvin, Jason Lockenfora, Mark Herzlick, and the folks that know and love your favorite teams better than anyone. And of course, us, your hosts, NFL analysts, and the host of the Peacock and Williamson NFL show, me, Brian Peacock, and former NFL and college scout, Matt Williamson. It's going to be great. I love talking with you every day, talking ball with you, Matt. It's going to be fun doing this ultimate mock draft with you once again in 2022. Without a doubt, man, this is a blast. I'm pretty psyched to get going on this. This is going to be fun. So let's do it. Let's get this thing rocking to kick us off. We are going to hear from our Locked On NFL Draft experts, Eric and Ryan, about the biggest stories around this year's draft starting with the intriguing conversations about this year's quarterback class and then what you need to know about how they think the board will shake out early. Well, thank you, Brian. As every draft starts, you have to know where the quarterbacks are going. It drives the entire process. This group's a little bit different, and we got to figure out where are they going to go versus where should they go. What do you think, Rock? I think, you know, it's definitely interesting this year. You know, last, last draft season, we knew, you know, the first few picks were definitely going to be quarterbacks. And you kind of had to question where guys like Justin Fields and Mac Jones, where would they land? But this year, it's all over the place. You can have quarterbacks go as high as number six overall to the Carolina Panthers, maybe Seattle Seahawks, or even the Atlanta Falcons around eight and nine. Or, I mean, maybe around pick 20 or so, depending on if the Saints pass on the quarterback as well. So I don't know if there's been a draft where where a quarterback will go is so all over the board. Yeah, it's up for grabs at this point. In terms of where they should go, I think you and I probably feel about the same. Like, should there be a first-round quarterback? Probably not. If there is, you know, maybe it is 20. Maybe it is the Saints at one of their picks. Now, for me, I want to see somebody just get the fit right because there's questions about every quarterback in this class. There's no sure thing, and there's honestly, I think, a lot more pitfalls than there are fits. So who lands where is going to be about the evaluation process, who's got the best front office, who's got the best scouting department. And I think at the end of the day, the perennial teams that are winners, you're going to see them win again. That's what I'm looking for. Yeah, and speaking of winning, especially when it comes to quarterback position, I think, you know, there are two teams that I think right now 
can actually, you know, take on a quarterback, a rookie quarterback, and put him in a uh, situation to succeed. And I think those two teams are the New Orleans Saints, who have two picks in the first round, and then the Pittsburgh Steelers. They have a great situation set up there with a franchise running back. They have to continue to build the offensive line, but the weapons that they have at receivers, you know, having a guy like Chase Claypool with a wide catch radius, and then a guy like Deontay Johnson, who can consistently get open, if I had to say where two quarterbacks should go, that's where I would go. Saints and Pittsburgh Steelers. I, I would agree with you. I'd like to see somebody do something at the tail end of the draft, too. I think that pick number 32 is going to be up for grabs. Who knows how it goes? But one thing is going to happen is however many quarterbacks go in the first round, it's going to help everybody else who needs non-quarterbacks. Teams with established leadership at the position are going to have a better time getting things that are still cornerstones to a franchise, like edge rushers, corners, and tackles. And I think that's probably where the best value of this draft is. We might see a ton of them in this first round. You were to tell me, you know, the day after the draft, that six, you know, defensive linemen and offensive linemen combined were taken in the first six picks. I wouldn't at all be surprised. And I think it's going to start with the number one overall pick, Jacksonville Jaguars. Right now, everything is leading towards them taking a guy like uh, uh, Aiden Hutchinson out of Michigan. Uh, Kayvon Thibodeau, I, I believe he'll fly off the board right after that. And you can see... Uh, Johnson, who for out of Florida State, who's flying up boards consistently. Every time I turn television on, all I'm hearing is how people like him more and more. And that lines with what we've seen on film from him as well. And not to mention Walker. And we know Trayvon Walker out of Georgia. He's more of a wild card. But again, I mean, just a terrific talent. So the non-quarterbacks, especially the defense alignment, they're going to fly off immediately. And then that's going to push down two terrific tackle prospects like Iguanu. And Evan Neal. So, you know, those the first six picks, again, if, if they are all in the trenches, I wouldn't at all be surprised. The questions become, outside of the tackles and outside of those edges, what can you do that's safe? A number of teams have multiple picks. I think that's where probably the corners come in, and we might even see a linebacker or two sneak into this first round. In the linebacker position, it seemed like a, a strength heading on. I think right now it's more of a day two strength where you definitely can see some of these guys go maybe at the tail end of the first round. Now, I'd be curious to see if we'd see like a guy like Anderson to kind of sneak in because he tested so well. Maybe people are looking at him as, you know what, there might be more value to have a guy like that that's big, fast, athletic, and smart on the field as well. But yeah, cornerbacks, you know, definitely you can start seeing those guys pop the board. We haven't even mentioned Sauce Gardner, who's projected to be a top 10 pick or Darius Stingley Jr., who, you know, and into this process, you would have thought would be the CB1. Right now, it might be the CB2. But moving forward, I think the, the cornerbacks, you'll see a few guys go off in the top 20 picks. Yeah, I think it's also going to help the wide receivers. Those guys from Ohio State probably have a future here in this front league. I think it's going to be entertaining. All right, Brian and Matt, back to you. Let's get the ultimate NFL mock draft started. And away we go. The number one pick is on the clock. The Jacksonville Jaguars, unless there's any trade action, I don't think Tony Wiggins' phone is going to be ringing too hard for this number one overall pick. It might not have the value of previous number one picks like their pick last year, but I don't think anybody feels bad about you know getting the quote-unquote generational quarterback selection at number one overall last year they have back-to-back -back number ones here what do you think the Jaguars are looking at at number one with Tony Wiggins on the clock yeah I used to really lean towards one of the tackles with the thought of just make Lawrence's life as easy as possible but I think the edge players are just better prospects we'll see what Tony thinks the Jacksonville Jaguars should be doing here the host of Locked On Jaguars Tony Wiggins who is the selection for the Jags at number one <laughs> 
with the first pick of the ultimate mock draft, the Jacksonville Jaguars select Trevon Walker, defensive end from the University of Georgia. How this helps the Jaguars right now is this. They've got the guy with the highest athletic profile, the best measurables, and I believe the best long-term ceiling for helping this franchise. That's what you have to do when you take the very first pick. You have to get the guy who projects to be the best a year or two from now, not the guy who actually has the most stats in college. On tape, he definitely shows the ability to rush the passer and to have all the attributes that Trent Baalke really, really does like. Now, he didn't have as many splash plays as a lot of the other edge rushers. He didn't have the stats. And some people say, well, he had really good teammates. Well, maybe because he had really good teammates, he didn't get a lot of stats if you want to reverse it and look at it in, in a different way. Trevon Walker has tremendous upside, and the Jaguars aren't going to ask him to do what he was asked to do at Georgia. They're probably going to turn him loose and do a little bit more. Think about it like this. Jermaine Johnson, who I believe is also a very good player, didn't have a lot of stats before this season either, and that's why he transferred from the University of Georgia to go to Florida State. I look at Trevon Walker as a guy the Jaguars think has a higher ceiling than any other edge and has a more consistent base to go from in terms of all of the things that he was able to do in college. So Trevon Walker is the pick for the Jacksonville Jaguars in the 2022 draft. Ooh, okay, we've already got some fun going on here. Trayvon Walker, the late riser, the combine superstar out of Georgia, the edge player. You can move him around. He has all the physical traits in the world. And this is clearly Tony Wiggins and the Jacksonville Jaguars swinging for the fences with a prospect that might have the most upside in the draft. And obviously, production isn't where you would want it to be for a number one overall pick in past years. But this is not past years. This is 2022. And Tony Wiggins sees Trayvon Walker as the biggest upside pick, potentially, at number one. And I agree with that. And I got to give you credit, BP. I mean, the first time I ever even heard Jacksonville one going Walker was out of your mouth at least a month ago, maybe even longer. You know, I mean, the, the traits that you mentioned are very much a Trent Falky thing. And I think people need to realize, too, that since the draft happens later in the year now than it used to, that gives the coaches more time to get involved, and coaches love traits. When you're talking edge players, you get wrapped up in the production. What are the sack numbers? What is this player going to do as a pass rusher? But coaches want players who can stop the run as well, and there might not be a better edge player in this class that stops the run like Trayvon Walker. So pass rush upside, but he's a he's a complete player who can play now as well. Yeah, and he can play up and down all over the offense or the defensive line. I think he'll play some three technique. I think he'll line up straight up over a tackle stand up on his feet from an outside position, maybe even drop into coverage here and there. So there's a lot you can do with this guy. But you're right. I mean, the production's a little worrisome. It's time to hear from the first of our Odyssey experts that we will hear from often through the course of this ultimate mock draft all week long. Jason LaConfora on the selection of Trayvon Walker, number one overall. The Jacksonville Jaguars selecting Trevon Walker would certainly send shockwaves throughout the NFL. Not that the edge rusher isn't in contention for the first overall pick. Of course, he's someone the Jaguars would strongly consider. However, many have been pointing to Michigan pass rusher Aiden Hutchinson as the de facto first overall pick for quite some time. And frankly, I think there's still an argument to be made for the Jacksonville Jaguars to invest this pick in one of the top offensive tackles available. Yes, I know they 
have kept Cam Robinson around, but I'm not sure he is the caliber of player that some of these tackles may turn out to be. But regardless, Walker certainly set the combine on fire with his athletic prowess, the metrics, the measurables, the twitchiness, all of that completely off the charts. And if he were to be the first overall pick, it certainly would be because the Jacksonville Jaguars look at him and see his ceiling being higher than Hutchinson. Hutchinson, I think, maybe a little bit safer. Uh, Hutchinson, someone maybe a little more immediately plug and playable. And again, Hutchinson, more productive in college than Walker, but he can't do some of the things physically that Walker can do. And when you go back and trace the history of Jags general manager Trent Balky, you can look at his tenure in San Francisco where they were continually going after pass rush, going after D linemen, and looking for someone like an Alden Smith who had a size-speed combo that was off the charts. Perhaps that's what Trent Balky sees here. Perhaps that's what he'll be able to convince head coach Doug Peterson to actually do with this first overall pick. Walker would be something. We've got college experts as well here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Daniel Moore covering Georgia. Can fill us in on who is this prospect? Who is this physical marvel? (laughs) Headed from Georgia to Jacksonville to begin our ultimate mock draft. Listen, Trayvon Walker is uh, a freak of freaks. There's no other way to describe him. The first time uh, Clint and I ever saw Trayvon Walker, uh, he was listed as a defensive tackle in his true freshman season, and he was playing kickoff coverage. He was on the kickoff coverage unit, sprinting down the field, making tackles on kickoff coverage. He's six foot five, 275 pounds, and he ran a 4.540 at the NFL Combine. I don't know what else you need us to say about Trayvon Walker, but he can do things that no one, no one on planet Earth his size can do. He has the potential to be a special, special talent in the NFL. One pick down, 31 to finish the first round, plus many more selections for those teams without first rounders in this ultimate mock draft. Number two, Detroit Lions on the clock next. Seeing as how it's not a traditional year, do you think there's another little surprise coming? And look, I don't know if it'll be a surprise that Trevon Walker is the number one overall pick by the time draft day comes, if he is, in fact, the selection for the Jaguars. Aiden Hutchinson, though, the local guy, still on the clock, long thought to be the number one overall pick for the Jaguars, still on the board here for the Detroit Lions. Is this an easy selection for Matt Derry and Detroit, or do you think this could go a number of directions? I mean, they're, you know, this is a team that is in need of probably a long-term quarterback, and no quarterbacks have been selected yet. Yeah, and there was a stretch there in the draft process where I would have put my stamp of approval on Malik Willis here. I just don't think that, I just think that's too rich for that player. You'd be bypassing too many high-quality blue-chip prospects for a quarterback that's a little too questionable for me this early. And with Hutchinson there, I mean, keeping him in Michigan makes all the sense in the world. The leadership, what they're trying to establish with that coaching staff with the Lions, this seems just like the perfect fit. Well, the pick is in. Let's see if it is indeed the local product, Aiden Hutchinson, Matt Derry of Locked On Lions. With the second pick of the Ultimate Mock Draft here on the Locked On Podcast Network, the Detroit Lions select Edge, defensive end Aiden Hutchinson, 
from the University of Michigan. If this happens and Hutchinson does not get selected by the Jacksonville Jaguars, the Lions are they're running this card up to the podium and to Roger Goodell. This is exactly what Detroit needs. They need speed off the edge. They need a sack man. They need to get to the quarterback. Uh, the Lions have struggled over the last few years, especially with Trey Flowers' injury over the last couple of years of getting to the quarterback. And now this solves a big issue for them, landing Hutchinson at number two. Plus, remember, he's a local kid, grew up in Detroit, went to Michigan, tons of Wolverine fans in the area, including Lions ownership, Sheila Hamp and her husband, Steve, who live in Ann Arbor, right in Aiden Hutchinson's backyard. This is a no-brainer pick for the Lions, getting Hutchinson at number two. Indeed, Michigan edge rusher Aiden Hutchinson is the selection for the Detroit Lions at number two, Matt. Not a shocker at all. If it went the other way, Hutchinson and Walker was available, I think they'd probably go Walker over quarterback at this point as well. But with Hutchinson being there, I mean, that's a slam dunk. That's as no-brainer a pick as you can get in this draft. Let's go to one of our Odyssey experts from the Detroit market for their thoughts, no doubt glowing on local product, Aiden Hutchinson. Aiden Hutchinson is going to be a top two or three pick, maybe even the top pick overall in this year's NFL draft simply because he is the best player, the best athlete in the draft, along with one of the most needed positions, and that is an edge rusher in his senior season at the University of Michigan. Had 16 and a half tackles for loss, a program record 14 sacks, destroyed offensive tackles, and how he got it done was his unbelievable tenacity to get after the quarterback to find the football coming off the ball he's got one of the best first steps in this draft his pursuit of quarterbacks his understanding of the game of football and what separates really good edge rushers from those that want to be really good edge rushers is his ability to use his hands. Some at the Combine said he had short arms. He was able to use his arms length against Ohio State, against Iowa, against Penn State to his advantage uh, to be able to stick those offensive tackles, to be able to turn the edge, to, to have a move off of a move. He's got a great bull rush, uh, and I mentioned his tenacity. If he gets shut down on that first, he's always got a second move. It's the move off the move that separates his ability to get after the, the pass rusher and his ability to play all three downs, four downs if needed in short yardage. But he's really good at stopping the run, sets the edge extremely well. He does a great job of, of coming off of the edge. And when if you want a showstopper, a game changer, you got to look at Michigan edge rusher Aiden Hutchinson. We've got Isaiah Hole standing by Locked On Michigan Wolverines host with a little bit more information on Aiden Hutchinson and what will the Lions be getting as he heads to the NFL. Aiden Hutchinson, a guy that is thought widely to be at worst a top three pick in the upcoming NFL draft, is a guy that I've covered since high school. Uh, he's, he's the son of Chris Hutchinson, who was an All-American at Michigan. And Aiden came in and surpassed pretty much everything that his father had done. He broke his sack record. He went to the Big Ten Championship, which obviously didn't exist when his father was there. Neither did the college football playoff. Uh, but he did all of those things that his father did and better in his senior year. But what's even better about Aiden, 
Aside from the fact that he is versatile, you can stand him up, you can put him in a three-point stance, you can move him all over the field, is that he is the quintessential teammate. He is the guy that Michigan really rallied behind when it came to the 2021 season. He is a big reason for the Wolverines' success. That is what, whether it's the Jaguars, the Lions, Texans, whatever team ends up with that opportunity to get Aiden Hutchinson, they're going to end up with more than just a freak athlete who had the the best three cone of any, uh, pretty much any defensive player. I think there was one player that was ahead of him. Aside from a freak athlete, they get an excellent, excellent character, teammate, and leader. If Walker goes one, Hutchinson's pretty easy at two. Things, I think, can go a million different ways at number three, really no matter who the first two picks are in this class, right, Matt? And maybe if Hutchinson's still there at three, that would be a pretty easy selection for Houston, who needs an edge rusher. There are other edge rushers still on the board here. Uh, There's every quarterback on the board. There's every defensive back on the board. There's every wide receiver still on the board. What direction do you see Houston going here? Is it just a function of let's draft the best player available with a team that's headed in the right direction but still has a lot of needs? Yeah, oh, they have tons. They needs everywhere, and they just need foundational building block players. The position almost doesn't matter. I would think one of the tackles would be a play here, but we might see a run of edge pass rushers. I mean, if it's going to be a Lovey Smith defense, usually he's a rush four guy, drop seven, you know, cover two. That would make some sense to me as well. The Locked On Texans War Room is ready. In the 2022 NFL Draft, the Houston Texans sit at number three. You heard the first two selections. I'm running down to the podium. I got the pick in my hand. With my draft selection, the Houston Texans will select Ahmad Sauce Gardner. The Houston Texans have not had a prominent number one cornerback since the days of Jonathan Joseph. Houston did a very good job with re-signing Desmond King. And even with Lonnie Johnson showing some promise at the end of the season, Houston still faces a problem. There's no definitive number one cornerback on this roster. They can solve that with drafting Sauce Gardner. He has not allowed a touchdown in his collegiate career. And the best thing about him is he's a dog on the field. But he does not come in any trouble off the field, which matches what the Houston Texans love in their players. I suspect that he can come in day one and be a huge benefit to this defense. Okay, it's all defense so far, Matt. We've got Sauce Gardner going number three overall. And you gave me some props a little bit earlier for calling Trayvon Walker number one. I've got to shout out my guy Eric Crocker of Locked On NFL Draft and my co-host on Locked On 49ers. He was the first person I saw, and there were some eyebrows raised. He had Sauce Gardner going to Houston early on. Love the fit, love the scheme fit, love the player in Sauce Gardner, his number one corner in this class. I thought it was too high at the time as well, but apparently... It is not too high. I don't think it is either. I mean, I didn't quite see this one coming. Don't get me wrong, but I, I ranked the prospects, you know, for Steelers.com in this entire draft, and I had Sauce Gardner number one. So, if the Jags or Lions were to even take him, I don't think I could argue it too much. I mean, rare man-to-man traits and phenomenal tape. So, uh, again, they're just need to get foundational players, and Gardner's going to do that. Odyssey expert Sean Pendergrass standing by to tell us about the fit of Sauce Gardner to the Houston Texans. If you're looking for your football team to double as a street fighting team, then Sauce Gardner is your guy. Every rep with Sauce Gardner is a heavyweight fight, and at 6'3", 200 pounds, 
He's one of the more physical defensive backs that college football has seen in recent years. He uses his length and his physicality really well at the line of scrimmage, and he rounds it out with excellent hands from his receiving days back in high school in Detroit. Nine career picks tell the story there. Gardner's going to need to work on his footwork. His handsiness might be a bigger problem with pass interference penalties being spot fouls in the NFL, but obviously a really, really talented player. For the Texans specifically, Gardner might be a slight reach overall at number three. While Texans head coach Lovey Smith did say in a recent press conference that the Texans won't get better defensively until they get better cornerback play, in Lovey Smith's system, which is very zone-heavy, drafting a cornerback with a premium pick like the third overall pick isn't really the recipe. If the Texans do take Gardner at three, it's probably an indication that the Texans' defense is moving more towards a hybrid of Lovey's defense mixed in with some Patriots principles from Nick Casario's days up north. College insider Alex Frank is standing by to tell us more about the player, the man, Ahmad Sauce Gardner. You know, it's hard to believe that less than three years ago, Ahmad Sauce Gardner was sixth on the cornerback depth chart for the Cincinnati Bearcats. But just five games into his Bearcats career, he made an instant impact with a pick six that flipped the script for the Bearcats against UCF that night. Gardner added another pick six later that season, but his most notable staff from his three-year career with the Bearcats was not allowing a single touchdown pass, not even to Alabama wide receiver Jamison Williams in last year's playoff semifinal. In an NFL that features prolific quarterbacks and explosive playmakers, Sauce Gardner will make passing combinations have to earn their stats, or perhaps keep them off the stat sheet entirely. The next handful of picks, Matt, will be dominated by New York. Let's find out who the Jets are taking at pick number four. Next, with the New York Giants standing by at number five. How far can we go, Matt, with all defenders? Because a safety corner edge rusher would not surprise me at all for the New York Jets. They could go a number of ways. They could go offensive line. The best tackles are still there on the board. They could go wide receiver and take the first wide receiver in this draft. Yeah, a lot of people I respect have had mocks and whatnot of receiver going this early I just think that's too early with the edge talent that's on the board you know the corner safety situation even the offensive linemen they're all lines come a long way though I guess Thibodeau would be at play um I actually think Johnson's the better edge guy of the two but I'm kind of a minority there I I think Hamilton would be hard to pass on at this point too but I I really think their three favorite players probably just went I can see one, two, three on their board already being gone. I'm thinking of something like Stingley because you look at 10, you could probably get a pretty good offensive lineman. You could maybe get Johnson still or one of the other edge guys at 10 still. Wide receiver for sure will be there, even if it's not their first choice at wide receiver. But I think there's a big drop after the corners to get a true shutdown type of talent in Stingley. I might go Stingley here at four, but we will see because the pick is in. John Butchko ready with the selection for the New York Jets, who are on the clock in the 2022 Ultimate Mock Draft. With the fourth pick of the Ultimate Mock Draft, the New York Jets select Kayvon Thibodeau, defensive end, Oregon. Robert Sala's defense is all about generating pressure from the front four. Now, the Jets are getting Carl Lawson back this season. Lawson was the big free agent signing on the defensive side of the ball for the team in 2021. He missed his entire first season with the Jets because of an injury He suffered at a joint preseason practice with the Green Bay Packers. But the defensive end spot across from Lawson is kind of unclear right now. 
John Franklin Myers filled the role for much of the 2021 season, but he's a big 290, 300-pound kind of guy. He might be best served sliding inside and playing defensive tackle, especially on passing downs. This is where Thibodeau comes in. He will be the bookend pass rusher to Carl Lawson. For much of the 2021 season, he was viewed as the consensus number one overall pick in this draft. So a really good value for the Jets at fourth overall. And now on passing downs, the Jets will have Lawson. They will have the 2019 third overall pick, Quinn and Williams. They'll have Franklin Myers and they'll have Thibodeau. They'll be able to generate pressure on the quarterback by rushing their front four. And it is Kayvon Thibodeau out of Oregon, the edge rusher who's been up and down draft boards. You know, I've seen him every, I've seen Kayvon Thibodeau being projected at every single slot in the top 10 of the NFL draft this offseason, man. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. And I don't know. I mean, I'm not being critical of this pick because, as you know, the Robert Salah defense is based on great you know, defensive line play, big time pass rushers. And Thibodeau could be that. He just scares me a little bit. Takes some plays off, and I think he's a little bit of an overrated athlete, but I see the logic. Some boomer bust, for sure, with Kayvon Thibodeau, and I think with the first pick in Walker, too, and very safe selections, to me, Hutchinson and Gardner are going to be very good NFL players, even if they're not superstar talents, and I think that's what the top of this draft is all about, is do you decide to swing for the fences? Might have a lower floor. Do you go for a higher floor? player because this class is not quite as top heavy as past classes and I think that's why we haven't seen anybody trade in and give value to come up and and get any players thus far in the draft yeah and I think the key here with this pick is the Jets saw the last three guys they wanted to get picked go in the first three you know what I mean like it couldn't have gone worse for them back to the Odyssey Studios Jason Locke and Fora with more on the Kayvon Thibodeau selection the New York Jets have been desperate Desperate for real pass rush for as long as most of us can remember. No one on the edge you have to double team. No one who gives offensive coordinators fits. No one who makes tackles squirm and fear. No one who keeps tight ends up at night. Perhaps that'll change if they select Kayvon Thibodeau from Oregon, as suggested. Here he is, a premium pass rush talent. However, he's also become a polarizing prospect as we've gotten deeper into the pre-draft run-up. His attitude, not exactly everyone's cup of tea. His work ethic at times and his combine performance, not ideal. And frankly, he hasn't rubbed every team he's been in contact with the right way the closer we've got to the draft. Regardless, there is plug-and-play potential for him to impact your football team. He is someone who looks the part of a pass rusher who you could pencil in for double-digit sacks most years. Is he going to be somebody who leads the league in sacks? Probably not. Is he going to be someone who's in contention for defensive MVP titles? Maybe not. But like a Jadavion Clowney, he's going to be a complete defensive end. He'll get dirty against the run. He will make other people better. And while some believe the Jets might lean into offensive line with their first pick and then pass rush later, Thibodeau somebody who was in contention at various points in time for the first overall pick. He plays a position that is always in demand. And Gang Green, again, has had no bite, no energy, no pulse on defense for too long. They get themselves a potential anchor and playmaker here. Yeah, it might be a little rich for some people's blood, 
but the Jets need to lean in to a new face on defense. That brings us to Spencer McLaughlin filling us in more about Kayvon Thibodeau. Maybe give us some more of the background on who he is coming out of the University of Oregon. Kayvon Thibodeau, pass rusher out of the University of Oregon, one of the best guys getting after the quarterback that we've seen in college football in the last couple of years. Thibodeau, a consensus number one overall pick for a really long time, has got the sort of physical trade, 6'5", 250 pounds, great versatility. He is capable of being a number one overall pick. He has those sorts of gifts and his on-field product, which is a little bit overlooked as of late because of some off-the-field stuff that I don't think is that concerning. He is an absolute beast. One of the best pure pass rushers in college football over the last couple of years. His versatility is going to be fantastic in the league. You can rush him inside, outside. He's great one-on-one against the tackles. You can drop him into coverage. He makes plays in space. That sort of versatility is what defensive coordinators are looking for nowadays. Kayvon Thibodeau absolutely provides that out of the University of Oregon. Staying in New York, this is the Giants' selection, the first in three picks here. Number five overall, Patricia Train is standing by with the pick for the New York Giants. All defense so far, can we keep the streak of defenders going? Or at some point, do you think there's an offensive lineman flying off the board for uh, those New York Giants? And uh, they just drafted a left tackle just a couple of years ago. Usually, if you're selecting a top 10 offensive tackle, you want him to be that blindside protector for your quarterback. But it would seem that the Giants already have that. Or could they move Thomas around, move an offensive tackle in there. It's an interesting uh, situation for the Giants to be in here at number five, and no doubt probably taking some phone calls and trying to move out. I just don't know if that's in the cards. Yeah, I mean, that's going to be tough to do, I think, this year. Um, this doesn't work out badly at all, though, in my opinion, for the Giants. It, I, I think they would consider Sauce Gardner with the Bradbury trade rumors, which I think are very real. Um, an edge guy to compliment Ojalari would make a lot of sense, really complete their front. But lucky enough to have your choice of any of the offensive linemen, pretty nice situation for the Giants. You know, Neil or Ekwanu, I think, would fit in tremendously. I, I always pencil in Ekwanu to the Giants just because I think Bill Parcells would love him. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, you know what? Bill Parcells not in charge anymore. Okay, Matt. They <laughs> no, got a, a they've ago, got a yeah. new team in charge of the New York Giants. We'll see what direction they go with Patricia Trena, the host of Locked On Giants, who is ready with the selection at number five. In the Locked On NFL Network's mock draft at pick number five, I have the New York Giants taking Alabama offensive tackle Evan Neal. Evan Neal, in my opinion, one of the most complete offensive tackles in this draft. The New York Giants put a lot of emphasis in free agency on rebuilding that offensive line, making it better so that quarterback Daniel Jones, running back Saquon Barkley, and the rest of the offensive skilled playmakers can finally, finally get on track. And it is gargantuan. Alabama offensive tackle, Evan Neal. Versatility. He could start at any number of positions across the line. So versatility there and potentially could plug into left tackle. But I don't think he has to start out there. So maybe that's what makes the Giants feel good about selecting Evan Neal at five. Yeah, right. I mean, I think he'd be a great guard. Maybe a little more traditional right tackle than left. And Thomas is already there on the left side. So you've got a good, young, cheap, highly talented pair of bookends there. That's an enviable situation to be in, especially from a salary cap perspective. Jason LaConfora on the selection of Evan Neal. The New York football giants have been trying to fix their offensive line for a long, long time. 
Former GM Dave Gettleman talked a lot about the hog mollies and the big boys up front. But unfortunately for big blue fans, he often came away with swings and misses when it came to actually solidifying the front five, whether through free agency, through trades, or the draft. The selection of Evan Neal here could be exactly what the doctor ordered for the New York Giants. We don't know if Daniel Jones is going to be the long-term solution at quarterback or not. I suspect he's not, but he at least needs to have a fighting chance with the big bodies up front. Evan Neal as clean a prospect as there is in this draft. The Alabama tackle looks to be someone who can impact your football team in a positive manner at a key and vital position from the moment he steps foot in the building. Saquon Barkley, what can he be? Is he worth keeping around? You'll have a better idea if your tackles can actually do the job, and that would be the thinking here. The Giants, I expect to address offensive and defensive line with their two early selections. In which order? That remains to be seen. That's a key question that other teams are trying to figure out as they make their mock drafts and try to assess who will be available when they're on the board. Neil here. Frankly, I'm not sure he gets past Houston at three. If he does, rookie GM Joe Shane, rookie head coach Brian Dable would call this a win. They'd look to go defense with their other high pick. And perhaps, finally, the New York Giants will be trending in the right direction. Nobody could scoff at the selection of Evan Neal here. Again, the only question really is, in the real world, will he still be available? And no stranger to high draft picks is the University of Alabama. Let's go to Luke Robinson, the host of Locked On Bama, to find out a little bit more about Evan Neal. I want to talk about Evan Neal right now, 6'7", huge, huge player with a lot of length, fantastic offensive line prospect from the University of Alabama. He switched over from right tackle to left tackle, shows his versatility. One of his biggest strengths to me is his length and athleticism. I mean, this guy is just huge all the way around. Uh, He's got a great wingspan that that can help with his protection. He's very, very aggressive. He's not the best offensive lineman technically, I think, in the Nick Saban era, nor is he the most aggressive, but I think he's got enough of those traits to be very, very productive at the next level. Somebody's going to get a fantastic offensive line prospect. First five picks in the bag. The Jags get Trayvon Walker, the edge from Georgia. The Lions get the edge, Aiden Hutchinson from Michigan. Come back with the Texans, Sauce Gardner, corner that we've talked about quite a bit. And then the Jets, Kayvon Thibodeau, the edge from Oregon. And then the first tackle off the board to the Giants at number five. That's Evan Neal out of Alabama. What stands out to you, Croc? Obviously, what jumps out first is the Jacksonville Jaguars taking Trayvon Walker, edge rusher out of Georgia, number one overall. You know, Aiden Hutchinson, that seemed like the guy that they were leaning towards. And for, you know, our drafters to feel like Trayvon Walker have more value there, I, I get it just in the sense of his versatility on the defensive line. He is a guy that's just not an, just an edge rusher. You know, he can be an edge, he can play the three, he can rush from inside and do those things. And also drop in the coverage. And you see the great athletic ability that, he, you know, there's a lot of upside and untapped potential that's in there. But it's also just that untapped potential. And I know they're saying potential gets coaches fired. So we'll see, you know, with Trayvon Walker, you know, if he kind of lives up to the billing of being the number one overall pick. But yeah, I am a little surprised that Hutchinson wasn't the first guy taken. I, I think this really demonstrates like 
the different ways you can go about this because in the top five, we've seen somebody take a big risk, like you said, potential to fit. And then we've seen kind of like the old standard pick number five with Evan Neal being the first tackle off the board to the Giants. This was a guy that started the draft cycle as the number one tackle, finishes the draft cycle as the number one tackle, according to this mock. I think that is just a really stark difference between two different ways of doing this here in this top five. Yeah, and another thing that's surprising, especially with the tackle position and Giants taking them there, you know, this is a team that, you know, they need edge as well. And how comfortable are they passing on the edge? Maybe Jermaine Johnson, who a lot of people are really high on, and maybe losing out on him when they potentially could have gotten Jermaine Johnson at five and then the best tackle available between, they guarantee themselves either Equanu or Evan Neal at pick seven. Day one of the Ultimate Mock Draft is in the books, Matt. Do you have anybody that is a clear winner or a clear loser in the first five picks of this thing? There has been a couple of very safe picks, a couple of high upside, maybe a little bit lower floor picks with the selections of the first five. Yeah, I mean, there's only five picks to choose from, and they're at the very top of the draft, so it's probably harsher of me to call anyone a loser. Um, I'm very impressed with what this new Jets regime, going back to last year, has done with this roster, and they got three more premium picks coming up. But I just think Thibodeau was worst-case scenario. You know, that if that would have been Gardner or one of the other edges, I would have felt a lot better about it. Yes, and, and I could see a, a scenario where their board was stacked up one, two, three. They had a little gap, hoped one of those players would fall, and they did not. And that doesn't mean Kayvon right. Thibodeau is a bad selection or a bad prospect, but maybe they had hoped one of those other three would fall. And, and I would have to just point to the Detroit Lions is the big winners here who can hang out at two and get the safest player maybe in this class, the the local hero in Aiden Hutchinson, who's just a no-doubt plug-and-play. You know, he's going to play for a decade and just be really, really good. Yeah, and we don't know this, but if the Lions would have taken him at one and you get him at two, then you're a winner. Looking ahead to day two of the Ultimate Mock Draft, we've got picks six through 11 coming up. The Carolina Panthers are next on the clock. There are no quarterbacks taken as of yet. There's still a lot of stud prospects at the edge positions, at the offensive tackle position. There's all wide receivers left on the board, tons of uh, everything for any of these GMs to select from. Those local experts coming up. Hang on for day two of the ultimate mock draft.